Research shows that we're 90% more likely to achieve a goal if we've communicated that goal to another person. I am unwilling to give up that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I am so excited to have my next guest here. I have Tiffany Dufu, who is the founder and CEO of The Crew, and we're going to talk about the crew. And uh, as I mentioned, she is the founder and CEO. It is a membership model, a peer coaching service for women looking to accelerate their personal and professional growth. And Tiffany is just an amazing, amazing star. She has many, many accolades under her belt, including Entrepreneurs 100, Powerful Women, as well as Fast Companies, League of Extraordinary Women, and she's also served in numerous leadership roles, including the chief leadership officer to Levo, a millennial professional network dedicated to the advancement of young women. And uh, Tiffany is just a, such a star. I uh, also will drop into uh, talking about her book, which I have right here called Drop the Ball. And as I was saying to her before we even got on, that I was quite sure that I had read it. It came out in 2017 and I finished it up this weekend. I had not read it and boy, was I happy to read it. It was uh, so enlightening. I mean, here's somebody who was so accomplished and um, and just so tremendous and just talking about all these things that she realized about herself and, and her journey. It was really, really powerful. So she's tirelessly advocating for women in leadership and so positive. Super excited to have you here today, Tiffany. Thank you, Kara. It's a pleasure to be here and thank you for your leadership. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. So I'd love to go back to the beginning. I always try and find out who was little Tiffany as a young girl? Like what? I mean, did you know you were going to do all the things? Did you know that you were going to advocate for women's leadership? Did you know you were going to be an entrepreneur, write a book, all of these things? I mean, who was little Tiffany? No, I didn't know any of those things just 10 years ago. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, I um, had a very joyful, happy childhood um, as a daughter of a, a minister. Uh, I grew up in the church. My parents were from LA, originally from a neighborhood called Watts uh, in LA. And mm -hmm. in the 1970s, it was a rough place. It was a rough time, but they knew that there had to be something other than the environment that they were in. My mom in particular, uh, she found out she was pregnant with me when she was 19 years old. And so my dad joined the army, which is how I came to be from the Pacific Northwest. And they broke a very vicious cycle of poverty and addiction and violence in just one generation based off of that move. And I grew up the product of 
what I think were probably a number of parenting books. So my parents, for example, felt that affirmations were really important. Every day, my mom would look at me and she would say, as if it was the first time that she had ever told me this, Tiffany, you're so smart. You're so beautiful. I you're love so that. loved. And um, I appreciate it now, of course, at the, by the time you're 12 or 13, it's quite annoying <laughs> to be told that every to be told that every day. But in hindsight, I grew up with a very strong sense of myself, mm-hmm. everything from the fact that she pretty much let me wear whatever I wanted, which was a really big deal. Uh, and thinking about just the time and the environment that I grew up in, I remember feeling that my opinion was important. And that my feelings mattered, uh, which a lot of kids don't necessarily feel when they're growing up. And so I give her a lot of credit for giving me an alternative voice in my head so that when the other voice is like, you can't do this, what are you crazy? That voice of doubt. I have this other counter voice that's like, you're smart, you're beautiful, you're loved, you can do this. But also just for giving me the sense of, what do you mean you're not into what I think or how I feel? (laughs) Um, Because that's kind of a big deal. Did you have brothers and sisters? I'm the oldest of four girls. Oldest of four and all girls. Wow. That's, oh, that's amazing. You know, what's so interesting hearing you talk. Um, So obviously your dad was in the military and, and my dad was in the military way before I was born, but he um, had started a company in a brand inside of a large company uh, called Healthy Choice and inside of ConAgra. Anyway, I talk about it in my book, but it's it's interesting because my mom was never the person that was highlighted as the leader that had all this impact. And yet my mom was the one that was deciding at, you know, age 45 to go into a totally different career, which back in the 70s was just not really done. I mean, she was an art history major and then she just decided she wanted to go into fashion. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn, quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip, Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally 
first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. And my dad was like, wait, what? What what are you doing? But he just let her, he was like, you know, happy wife, happy life. And I, and I think now about the impact and hearing you talk about how your mom spoke to you and affirmations and things like that. I mean, do you think she was thinking of herself as a leader? I, and and yet that was that obviously had a really powerful impact. Just hearing you remember those things and think about those things this morning. 
No, I don't think that she thought of herself as a leader. She thought of herself as doing what was required, you know, doing yeah. what needed to be do. She was absolutely, I believe she was absolutely a leader. She was what I call a non-paid working mom because uh, all moms are working moms. Yeah. Some are compensated for our labor and some aren't. And one of the things that's really interesting, I loved your book, by the way. Thank and you. one of the things that I was really taken aback by and thought, wow, if I had had that sooner, I don't know where would I be today was just your relentlessness. And there was this, what, this whole idea of like breaking parts of your body, like physically being harmed and like getting up and doing the sport again, or doing the activity again. That was definitely not Tiffany. Tiffany was the one, as my youngest sister will say, she'll say, Tiffany, you're so boring. You never want to learn a lesson yourself. I was always very happy to sit at the foot of a mentor, a sage, um, and to follow the, the roadmap and to follow the instruction manuals and to kind of stay on the straight and narrow. And so that's part of the reason why when you asked about, did I think that I would be a writer? Did I think that I would be an entrepreneur? Did I think, no, I didn't think any of that. I thought that mm-hmm. I would do exactly what I was supposed to do, which was to go to college, become an educator, get married, have kids and like live my life into the sunset. So I so respect and appreciate that at such an early age, you were such a risk taker um, because I think that that's such an important part of our journeys and can accelerate it. Yeah. Well, and Part of your journey, I think, is also you're the oldest, right? So there was, you know, the pressure to actually, you know, walk in the straight line so that you could show your siblings that that's how it's done, right? That's I'm it. sure. Be responsible. Be Take responsible. care of the other ones. Yes. Right. I I was, you know, the product of a mom and dad that were 40 when they had me. And I had the oldest parents in the block. And my parents were like, just don't embarrass us and don't hurt yourself too badly. And, you know, that was like, and come home by 11. Like you can go <laughs> to the parties, just come home by 11 and be safe. And it was, uh, I, I, you know, was lucky that I followed, you know, crazy brothers and sisters who, I mean, it was, it, it wasn't hard to actually shine in, in, <laughs> in that case, because it was, it was, they had been very naughty along the way, which, uh, I think helped me to actually be like, oh, you're a good kid. You know, you're actually coming home on time. You're doing all these things. And anyway, crazy, crazy, yeah, it was crazy time. So you have a huge, huge interest in wanting to help advanced girls and women. Where do you think that came from? Well, I would say it's probably, it's deeper than an interest, Kara. It's my life's work. Um, It's why, it's why I get up in the morning, literally every job I've had, every dollar I've ever donated, every board I've sat on, every article I've written, every book I've contributed to or written, every social media post, except for a few ones where I'm just bragging about my kids because I think they're cute, has been focused on this question that I have of how do we harness women and girls' talent and ingenuity for the benefit of all of us? Uh, The answer to where did that come from loops back to my mom. Uh, When I was 16, my parents got divorced. And all of the, when you talk about your dad, you know, and him being the the public facing leader, Mm -hmm. I had an experience in which I discovered that all of the economic, social, political capital I, of course, I wouldn't have articulated it that way at 16 that I thought was our families. I realized was just my dad's. Mm-hmm. 
because he is the one who was college educated. He's the one who worked outside of the home. He was the one who was the beacon in the community. He was the one who had the awards. And unfortunately, my mom, after the divorce, fell back into that very vicious cycle that I mentioned of poverty and addiction and violence with her second husband. So I spent my 20s trying to save my mom. I don't know if you ever tried to save someone in your life, but uh, you will eventually, hopefully, come to the realization that it's impossible to do that because each one of us is the most powerful change agent in our own journey. So I could not save her, but I am so indebted to the fact that she had enough wherewithal to give me everything that a mother could possibly give a child in those first 16 years, that every day I wake up and I just try to get to as many women as I can to whisper in their ear, you're so smart, you're so beautiful, you're so loved, you can do this. And if there are any women listening right now, that's that's why I'm talking to Kara right now. I love that. So you founded The Crew in 2018. So tell us more about your company. Yes. So The Crew matches circles of women who collaborate to meet their life goals. One of the things that I've done that's actually probably informed most of my journey is just say yes to women who reach out to me. And Kara knows what it's like um, to be at a point in your career where you get lots of requests. Can I pick your brain? Can I take you to coffee? Can you mentor me? In 2011, I started saying yes to a lot of those requests. I started meeting women at 9, 10, and 11 a.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays because I'm obsessed with listening to our stories. And one of the observations that I've made over the years, there's been many, uh, but the one that led to the crew is observing that even though we have a lot of people around us, typically we have our family, our friends, our coworkers, women largely perceive their journey, personal, professional, psychologically as a solo endeavor, not a team sport. Meaning Mm -hmm. that Many of us, when we have a problem, the first question we'll ask ourselves is, how am I going to solve this problem? When the more important question that we should all be asking is, who's going to help us solve this problem? And it's part of the reason why I encourage everyone to read Undaunted. Uh, And it's part of what I posted about was that Kara knew had in her energy from an early age that you're not going to get anywhere without other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And learning how to cultivate those relationships is really important. But the reality for a lot of really busy mid-career women is that they don't have the bandwidth to curate a small group of people who can hold you accountable for your success. Research shows that we're 90% more likely to achieve a goal if we've communicated that goal to another person and if we have regular interventions with those people. It's the same reason why something like Weight Watchers works or why AA works. And so I decided that um, given that so many women didn't have these peer groups and that I personally had benefited from a crew. I have a group of women who I meet with on a regular basis and they hold me accountable to my ambitions that I would launch a tech platform to support women in doing that. So the way that the crew works is that you apply to become a member of the crew and our algorithm matches you with seven other women in your time zone. You decide what you want your goals to be. You upload them into a digital tracking tool and your crew holds you accountable digitally and through monthly events that we call gatherings where you each go around and and hold one another accountable. So it's it's just a way to 
help us each focus on ourselves and have a a group of people who care about us, but are more objective and aren't invested in our decision-making the way our friends or family or coworkers might be. Uh, just a, just another nudge of support to help you on your journey. I love it. So the goal is really to remind you of these goals. Uh, do they actually give advice a, as well along the way? I, I ask this because I, I'm part of this organization um, called YPO. And I know that YPO for years has been uh, really about don't give advice, um, really hold the goal because for example, if somebody gives you advice and you don't take their advice, then that may create this animosity, right? Like I told her what to do and then she didn't go do it. And so why am I sitting here? So I'm, I'm curious because I've always felt like there was a little bit of um, that was good that they don't give advice. But then also I feel like sometimes people do need some direction. But is there a commitment like when people are giving this direction that you need to take it? Do, do you know what I mean? Or will yes. it disrupt the group in some way? I'd love to hear your opinion on it. I know exactly what you mean. So you can think of, I love that you mentioned YPO. So think of the crew as YPO for the masses. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's a, for the people who have never heard of YPO, um, you know, couldn't necessarily um, be a part of YPO, but it's for the, the YPO for every woman. Um, we do use a peer inquiry based model of coaching. A YPO also originates and starts with a coaching model, meaning that if you want to help someone, one of the most important things that you can do is keep them at the center of the experience that you're trying Love to guide it. them through. Okay. What happens when we're giving advice and it's a wonderful intentional thing that we do is we feel empathy towards someone. This happens all the time. When you feel empathy, unless you're a total jerk, uh, you do something that we were taught to do in kindergarten, which is you imagine uh, putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Mm-hmm. Well, when you put yourself in someone else's shoes, you think, well, what would I do if I was in that situation? Or what did I do when I was in that situation? And then you proceed to tell that person about yourself. Unbeknownst to you, you've now made what they're dealing with and their experience about you. So it is true, Kara, that in the crew, we encourage our members to start a crew coaching session with questions not with advice for that very reason. We encourage open-ended questions. We have a set of them that's in a document that we call the crew playbook. And they're questions like, so what have you done so far to realize this goal? You know, you'd be surprised how many of us are stressed about goals we haven't moved forward, but we've actually done nothing to move them forward. (laughs) Um, Who else should be involved? What would happen if you asked for exactly what you wanted? One of the most important questions is, what are you going to do between now and the next time we see you? Like, what action are you going to take? We try to get the person to commit. And then finally, the last question speaks to the advice, which is, do you need anything from us? Is there anything that we can do to support you? To which if the person says, yes, has anybody else written a book? Or has anyone else had to try to figure out how to get their customer acquisition cost lower? Or if anybody, then that is the appropriate time after the advice has been solicited for you to weigh in. And I'm sure that's probably the case with YPO is they're trying to prevent people from giving unsolicited advice that really is about them and not the person that they're trying to support. 
Totally. And it is the right thing. I mean, I, I was, uh, you know, in, in a group for, for years. And once you kind of get the hang of it, it's interesting because they found that when people sort of accidentally slipped into that of giving advice, and if you, if the recipient didn't take that advice and go do something, the, the group starts to break down. And so there has to be an accountability which I thought was really fascinating. Uh, and once you get into it and sort of see the method, uh, which it sounds like you guys are very, very similar in that in that sense that it really, really works. And I love the end of, you know, asking people, offering up, what can we do to help you? Because I think so often people don't want to ask, right? They don't, they feel, and which I think that that's what the crew does too, which is amazing. So these were all groups in in person prior to the pandemic, or how did you set them up? Um, yes, initially? yes. So I was one of those very stubborn founders with the hypothesis that I felt, um, you know, we had to stick with, which was the importance of being in person and that real meaningful human relationships had to happen in person. So we initially matched crews in specific markets. Mm -hmm. Of course, one of the challenges from the very beginning is that we ended up with a lot of women applying to the crew in markets where we didn't have a critical mass sure. of other applicants. And those women basically sat on a waiting list for a very long time. When COVID hit, we had no other choice but to move mm -hmm. to a virtual model. I had existing crews that needed to hop on a virtual platform. We had new crews we were onboarding that needed to hop on. And that allowed me to do something I had not had the opportunity to do before, which is why this entrepreneurship ride um, is so incredible, which is to be in a lot of gatherings. Because remember, if they're happening in person and it's happening in San Francisco and I'm in New York, I can't be there. Sure. But if we're using Zoom, all of a sudden I can be in a lot of gatherings. So I spent March of 2020, April of 2020, basically in gatherings every night, on the weekends, and I learned a lot about the crew and about the model. And one of the things I learned was that we had created a lot of friction for really busy women by requiring people to meet in person. Mm -hmm. I noticed on Zoom that women were nursing babies during a gathering that they would have had to get babysitters for. I sure. noticed that the attendance went up. No one was waiting in traffic. No one had to schedule you know, their time in a different way. I noticed that those questions, those inquiry-based questions, all of a sudden you weren't looking down, you know, or if you had forgotten your crew playbook, it was okay because they could just post those in the mm -hmm. chat. I noticed that the timekeeper, so we manage personalities in the crew by using a timekeeper <laughs> to ensure that everyone kind of opens and ends at a certain cadence and time. And usually if you're in person, only one person, the timekeeper knows how much time is left. And so that person kind of has to jump in and interrupt and say, hey, everybody, we've got five minutes left for this session. Well, all of a sudden in Zoom, the timekeeper was empowered to post into the chat, hey, everybody, we've got eight minutes left. We've got five minutes left. And so it allowed the group, the crew to collectively really support this person in a more meaningful way. So I learned that I was wrong. Uh, you can actually uh, support people virtually, that for certainly our demographic of really busy women, that they value uh, not having to be stuck in traffic um, and connecting. Because remember that these aren't your best friends. So right. there's an accountability circle that you're meeting with once a month. But the, I think the biggest thing for me that I, I'm so 
happy for at least the crisis of being a catalyst for change is that we were able to open up the platform. Mm -hmm. Our tagline is every woman needs one. It's the crew. Every woman needs one. And yet where you lived made a difference. And that no longer became the case. Uh, We started matching women by time zone instead of city. And now it doesn't matter where you are in the continental U.S. You can apply to the crew and we can get you matched and onboarded. I love it. So obviously women during this time left the workforce in in droves. As I you know, have said over and over again, they didn't choose to leave the workforce, right? It was, it was definitely a, you know, this is what I've got to do. And especially if you had kids, I mean, people were, you know, forced to deal with, with online school and caring for children. And oftentimes men were making more money. So um, if they had one of those in the house and, and so it was definitely a, you know, an obvious thing that many people ended up staying home. What do you think is the key thing that people uh, in in the crew are thinking about today as they think about what do they do next? Yes, absolutely. Well, I can tell you exactly because I remember the whole point of the crew is to realize your life intentions, to make progress mm-hmm. on your goals. Um, right now, those top goals include under career, earning a promotion, or figuring out what the transition is uh, back into the workforce or into entrepreneurship. So a lot of those women said, I have to leave, but I need the flexibility. Maybe I'm going to start my own thing. Um, Or they are looking to earn more money. So they're looking for a salary increase. Under their kind of personal health and wellness, there is finding an exercise routine and sticking with it. (laughs) It's one of the top goals. Um, Outside, uh, number two is followed by starting a meditation practice. Number three is starting a yoga practice. Under family, personal relationships, the top goal is being present with my kids, which Mm -hmm. I think is fascinating because the pandemic created the situation where we were all under one roof. And yet it created a situation in which you felt like you were not as present Mm -hmm. with them. You know, when you all got up and you all went to school and you all went to work, you were doing your thing. And then when you came back together, you could be present. Whereas now that everyone's under one roof, you feel like you're not able to spend the time with them that you wish. Um, Unfortunately, navigating divorce or separation uh, is another um, top goal. So these are the things that members of the crew are, are dealing with. And it was such a, the one thing, our culture is still very similar. I mean, the one thing that didn't change was that women disproportionately bear the responsibility of caregiving. Uh, and of household responsibilities. What happened was that the scaffolding that a lot of women had in place (laughs) to do that, to outsource that, quite frankly, usually to other women, fell apart in the midst Mm -hmm. of COVID. So it wasn't as if women had more responsibility. Women have always had that responsibility. It's just that we could outsource part of it. We could, and then when COVID happened, all of a sudden we physically had to do all of it and it became too much for a lot of families. Yeah, definitely. I feel for for many women out there. I've I've been through a lot, but as I said to, to I say to my team as well as you know people in in interviews, that's one thing that I had never been through. My youngest is now sixteen, 
Um, so, you know, he, he was kind of on his own, right? At that, not on his own, but you know what I mean? Like he was able, he was in the groove, but God, watching many of our employees deal with, you know, three and four-year-olds and six-year-olds and, and you know, it's just tough and it, it's really hard and it's hard to, you know, focus on, you know, focusing on goals for your work and then trying to have some kind of sanity and then having a break. I mean, it's, it's a lot. And so I, I bet those conversations are coming up in these groups as well. So I, um, I, I love that you're thinking about it and talking about it. Cause I think it's something really, really important um, that we all need to focus a little bit more on. And absolutely. And, Absolutely. So, okay. So drop the ball. As I mentioned, your book came out in 2017. Yay. With Tiffany's beautiful picture on the cover. Her, we were just talking about her first edition did not have the picture on it. And I don't know why, because her, she's so beautiful and it's so nice. And uh, the foreword was by Gloria Steinem too, which is so awesome on so many levels. So talk to me a little bit about about the book. So why the title, Drop the Ball? Yes. I wrote a book called Drop the Ball because I used to be someone who was terrified of ever dropping a ball. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I used to think that it was a terrible thing to do. It meant that I was failing to take timely action, that I was irresponsible, that I was disappointing people in my family and my community. It sounds dramatic, but as an African-American woman, that I would be disappointing the entire Black race, as in, if I mess this up, they're never going to hire a Black person again. <laughs> and so I came to a point in my life where I was no longer able to keep all of the balls beautifully in the air. You know, if you've got enough of an A-type personality and you've got enough of a support you can you can keep going. Um, my drop the ball moment was the birth of my first child. Uh, that's when things fell apart for me. But in those conversations that I mentioned with women, Kara, it could be anything. It could be that you finally got the promotion and discovered that it's a lot harder to be the boss uh, when you weren't the boss. It could be a diagnosis. It mm -hmm. could be that you've got to take care of a family member who has become ill or is incapacitated. It could be a viral pandemic, an economic recession that causes you to come to a point in your life where you can't keep all the balls in the air. And my, I call them Tiffany's epiphanies. Some people call them aha moments came when all the balls were on the floor and yet Armageddon never hit, meaning all of the things I was always paranoid would happen. If I ever dropped the ball, they didn't, they didn't materialize, meaning no one ever called to say, I don't love you anymore. I don't like you, or you're not my friend because I didn't respond to their text message fast enough, or I missed the party. My boss didn't fire me. I never had the police come and read me my Miranda rights, which I always thought would happen if I didn't pay all of those alternate parking tickets that I would get for <laughs> <laughs> you know, those orange citations yeah. that pile up that I can tell I live in New York city. I don't know how many of those things you get before they come and arrest you, but it's a lot. It um, takes a they, lot. And, yeah. And they don't, they don't actually come. Oh and so God, I, I decided that. to reappropriate the term because I realized that what I really needed to drop was this unrealistic expectation that I should be doing it all to begin mm -hmm. with. And the book is really about how I, but how I think all of us can get clear about what matters most to us, as opposed to advertisers and <laughs> all of the other external pressures that we feel. 
how we can figure out what our highest and best use is to achieving what matters most. So we're not just saying yes to everything that comes over the fence. And then finally, how we engage other people in our lives. Drop the Ball is a bit of a romantic comedy about how I got my husband off the couch because uh, I wanted people to finish it. And I had to, you know, there had to be a little bit of drama and intrigue there. Um, so he was the person that I chose to really focus on, you know, that relationship. But how do you engage your boss? How do you engage your kids? How do you engage anybody in your life so that you can live your purpose and so that they can too? I love it. But I think the the key thing that I got out of the book was it starts with you. Right. And it starts with figuring out, like, what do you need and what are you doing that is limiting you from actually being able to do that? So I I really uh, I really, really loved it. And it's it's spurred a lot of thoughts, uh, not only for myself, but also for for my kids, too. How do you think your kids have? Uh, I mean, I feel like you're you're really conscious about doing some things differently. And how do you think your own kids have have learned from maybe your mistakes, but I mean, maybe your realizations and and your epiphanies, your Tiffany epiphanies. My Tiffany's epiphanies. Well, for one, they hold me accountable right? Um, for me dropping the ball. Today was the first day of school and, you know, my son's got to get the bus and he's in the 10th grade. And I think I was probably micromanaging a bit too much. And, you know, he's like, mom, drop the ball, drop the ball, mom. I'm in the 10th grade. I will get to the bus on time. I love it. Okay, great. So that's one way. But the other way is I think part of what I call in the book, delegating with joy is really engaging other people in our expectations of ourselves. So one of the things that I do now is every six or seven months, I ask my kids, can you have a meeting? There's two of them amongst yourselves and then come back and tell me the top three things that you feel like you need from me in order for you to feel like I'm being a good mom. Hmm. Because we often have a lot in our minds about what we need to do to be a good mom, a good wife, a good worker, a good manager, a good founder, a good CEO, you know, whatever it is, but stopping to ask other people. uh, And I certainly have been engaging my kids uh, in that process is really important. And so they hopefully have learned how to do that for themselves, right? Um, I'm overwhelmed with this history class. Okay, we'll have a conversation with the teacher about what exactly do they need from you, right? What are they expecting from you so that you can bring your level of anxiety down, but also feel like you can deliver for yourself and for everyone around you? I hope, I mean, this is me talking. You should talk to them. They, there should be a podcast it. for all the kids of the people that are being kids interviewed are, by these podcasts yeah. to find out. Is this, is this, are they telling the truth? <laughs> I love it. No, that's so great. So, the crew, how do people find out more about the crew and joining the crew? Yes, they can go to thecrew.com and it's spelled C-R-U.com because C-R-E-W was taken and I was trying to be creative. <laughs> um, so they can go to thecrew.com. They can apply. They can find us on any social media outlet at that with those handle, that handle as well. Yeah. And you can just see your community on your social platforms. I mean, definitely following and, and engaged, which is, uh, I think, a great sign of any organization and business. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely clear. So, And drop the ball. Everybody should pick this book up. It's so good. And also, 
the uh, Tiffany's uh, the Tiffany's Epiphanies uh, videos are on YouTube. I uh, had a look at those too. That's lots of fun. So very very cool stuff going on with Tiffany. And overall, I, for people to follow you on social, do you want to tell people the best way? Yes, I'm at T D U F U on every platform. T-D-U-F-U. I love it. So great. Well, thank you so much, Tiffany, for sharing your incredible insights and knowledge and for letting us get to know you even more. So great. And hear more about the crew and your book and just all these amazing thoughts. It's just feel so fortunate to have you on today. And I really, really feel like this is uh, just a great example of just another trailblazer out there that is just doing amazing stuff to enable others to go out and be who they should be, right? And who they can, can you know, realize along the way that it doesn't, you're, you don't have to stop when you're 21 years old and decide what you're going to be when you grow up, right? You can definitely reinvent yourself and, and the crew and everybody who's involved in that, I think, has really talked about it in that way. So thanks, everyone, for listening. We are here every Monday and Wednesday at The Kara Golden Show. Please give this episode five stars. Subscribe to the podcast as well and come visit me on my social platforms at Kara Golden with an I. And hopefully, if you haven't had a chance to get the book, uh, my book, Undaunted Overcoming Doubts and Doubters, and also uh, it's available on Audible too. I hope you'll get a chance to uh, read it. And of course, if you haven't tried Hint, please pick up a case of that in your local stores or online on Amazon as well. And thanks, everyone. Have a great rest of the week. Thanks again, Tiffany. Thank you. I was drinking my hint. Yay. All right. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening.